Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Hello and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Not the usual voice you hear at the top of the show, but I am Ben Solak. I'm still joined by Shiel Kapadi. He's here. He didn't. He didn't skip out on me like he did last week. Shiel, say hi to the people. I, I am here. I like this. It's a. It's a bit of a bizarro episode. I did like no, you know, prep work. I saw your email this morning. I'm like, eh, I could talk about those things. Maybe a nugget here and a nugget there. Otherwise, I can just kind of relax today and let you know, let you guys handle it. Well. When we're doing, we're doing what, like five pods this week or something? It's okay if, if you put your feet up for one of them. Uh, and we have a hard carry for this uh, for this pod. We got we got a pro in the building. That is uh, Rob Stats Guerrera, now of the newly minted Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm not just bringing you on, Rob, because like the last three times you hit me up to come on, I was busy. I earnestly was. I want to make it very clear that I was not dodging you. It was just bad timing. But Rob is the go-to guy for the 49ers. Rob, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I knew I could just grind you into submission. Yeah, it's it's one of those where every single time you text me, I scroll back up and realize I said no to you the last time. And I'm like, man, I'm just the worst. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a busy time for all of us. Uh, it was way busier when there were 32 teams. Now there's only four. And namely in the NFC, there's two. That's your 49ers and our Eagles. Uh, the first thing I want to ask, I'm always interested in this question, is what your impressions are having seen the Eagles kind of obliquely, right, seen them from a longer distance away for most of the season, and now kind of zeroing in on them. This is the first game the Eagles are going to play against the Niners this season for the NFC Championship game. Because I know here we've been doing a lot of, okay, well, if they get the Niners in the playoffs, we've been doing that for a couple of months. So I, I don't know, has that been happening with the Niners faithful? And if so, what do they see when they see the Eagles? What do they talk about? It's been really weird with the Niners. I don't know that that fans have been able to look ahead that much because of all the just ridiculous stuff that has gone on with this team throughout the mm-hmm. season. We were dealing with quarterback issues from the offseason, and it just continued throughout the year. But when we look at the Eagles, honestly, what I see is I see the team the 49ers would hope that they would be with Trey Lance as their starting quarterback, right? An mm-hmm. offense that could throw deep down the field, that can just dominate you at the line of scrimmage, control games with the run, and then on the flip side, obviously get after you with four, 
and use the rest of the defense to uh, to stop the pass. So I feel like the Niners were hoping that they could kind of be the Eagles and they sort of had to adapt along the way. Yeah, so let's let's I'm already off my script, but let's talk about that a little <laughs> bit because further down I have Brock Purdy talk, but I got a haircut this morning and the first question my barber asks me is what do the Niners do if Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl? And I was like, I don't know, let me talk to Rob Stats Guerrera and then I'll hit you <laughs> back up next time I'm here and I'll let you know. Um but this right, they they were supposed to be something different with Trey Lance. Lance gets hurt, they plug Jimmy in. They're kind of the offense they've always been with Jimmy, but then they get McCaffrey, and that kind of changes what the offense looks like, and then obviously Purdy comes in. So in terms of offensive evolution, what have we gone through this season for the 49ers? What's been the arc, and and where are we now, right? Like, I think everybody kind of knows what the general Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo offense looks like, but they got McCaffrey, they got Purdy now. What's different? What's distinct that we have to know about the Niners offense? So the McCaffrey acquisition changed everything because 21 personnel became the formation of death for the 49ers. Right. Because, yeah, it's 21 personnel, but Christian McCaffrey's in the slot one play. Debo's in the backfield. checks in the slot one play. Kittle's in the backfield one play. It's one personnel package, but they can put anybody anywhere at any time. And so they can just totally dictate to the offense where they're going to move your pieces, especially when you consider motions and shifts before the snap as well. So they are just totally manipulating everything to the defense. And then from the quarterback perspective, both Trey Lance and Brock Purdy see the field deep to short, which is the complete opposite of how. Jimmy Garoppolo saw the field. Jimmy was thrown to the first open guy as close to him as possible. So the combination of the flexibility with McCaffrey and the change at quarterback, I think is the biggest difference from the Shanahan offense that we're used to. Mm-hmm. I uh, I want to ask you both, Sheil and Rob. We'll start with Sheil. When it comes to Purdy, Sheil, we talked about this a little bit on the Ringer NFL show earlier this week. Uh, there's kind of been this looming hypothetical game where Purdy loses his mind, right? Like, all right, he's the last pick in the draft. He's a rookie quarterback playing in January. There's going to come a point where he collapses, right? Total, complete meltdown. Having watched Purdy from like the NFL perspective and now looking at this Eagles perspective, with obviously the Eagles have like a crazy four-down rush, but they don't do a ton of stuff defensively that's like convoluted or disguised or post-nap rotation, like all this stuff. What likelihood are we at of a Purdy meltdown game? What does that look like? Is that something where we think is going to happen? Can the Eagles generate that meltdown game? Is that thing real or is that just a figment of our imagination? Uh, I think it's definitely real. Not saying that, yes, it's definitely going to happen. But if you if we were sitting here on Sunday night and you said, man, it caught up to him. Purdy goes in uh, to the link in the NFC Championship game. And, you know, they just got crushed because he had a terrible rookie game, which, by the way, we expect rookies to have rookie games. Uh, that would not shock me at all. You know, the, the way I look at Purdy and the way I've always looked at a Shanahan offense, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong here, it's just always been like Shanahan wants the robot. Shanahan wants just, if I could just have like artificial intelligence and just have a remote control and tell this person exactly what to do every single second they're on the field, that would be my preferred uh, way of coaching. And so he had that with Garoppolo to a large degree. He's had that with Purdy to a large degree. And so the conversation with the Niners to me has never been like, you know, you'll look at EPA per play and you'll see Garoppolo uh, up there and the film nerds and the stat nerds will have these arguments. And to me, it was always that Garoppolo is not a top five quarterback, but can the Niners have a top five offense with Garoppolo? Yes, we've seen that over and over and over again. There are two separate questions. And I think it's the same with Purdy. I mean, if you look at the numbers in the games he started, they're 
Garoppolo-like or better. They've had a top five offense with the seventh round rookie up there. So to me, maybe the big difference, and it, and it, and it uh, you know, um, relates to this game, is the second reaction plays. Because I watch some of them and I go, you know, like the one that was incomplete to Ayuk, where he to the right and rifles it uh, in the end zone and he didn't get his feet in. But you're going, wow, that was a pretty high level play. And then there are other ones where I go, ooh, that was like a tenth of a second from being really ugly and being that rookie play that we're talking about. And so I was just looking at the numbers. When Purdy holds the ball for more than three seconds, he has the second best EPA per play in the NFL behind only Patrick Mahomes. Now, it's a relatively small sample. It's about, I think, uh, 100 snaps or so. But that is going to be such a key in this game. Like, there are going to be times, I think, where he's going to try to make something happen. And does he make something happen like he did with George Kittle last week? Or do those plays turn, to, turn into interceptions, penalties, sacks, negative plays? I think one way or another, when we're talking Sunday night, like those handful of plays in the game will, m- might actually end up telling us the story of what happened. Yeah, so Rob, right, question now from the Niners perspective, where we're Shield and I are silently rooting for the Purdy meltdown game. Shield will claim he isn't because he's I am not. He doesn't Rob, you've worked around like journalists before. He doesn't understand this before. Like I I would admit it. Like there's nothing in it for me. The Phillies, I'm rooting for the Phillies. He doesn't understand how someone can be like a writer or cover a team and not be rooting for them. I don't understand. Other people, no, I understand. People think it's very weird for you to not let this, you know, let this go. Like you don't understand this. I don't get it. You okay? Firstly, (laughs) not a lot of people think this is weird. I don't let this go. It's like four. Okay, two. You go to like eight Philly sporting events a year, and you got you live in the area. Yeah, your your daughter's rising in her Philly fandom. It's you're just too adjacent to it. There's no way it doesn't seep in. Uh, this guy. All right. So, we have, uh, so Rob, sorry, this will happen. Well, listen, we have, we've done like 400 hours of pods this week, 10,000 hours of pods this season. There's going to be a breaking point at some point where it's just, we're going to completely turn on each other. Hopefully, Rob, for your sake, it's not during this podcast. Yeah, the uh, the main question, right, is, is that hypothetical Purdy meltdown game like this? The Seahawks game wasn't his best game. The Cowboys game certainly wasn't his best game as well. How does it feel like he's teetering on that edge to you, or are you confident in Shanahan's ability to kind of keep driving this thing over the the next you know one to two weeks, all that's left of the season? He has had some shaky plays, and he's gotten a little bit lucky when it comes to turnover worthy plays. It was a play in the Cowboys game where the ball was tipped, and it goes right to Trayvon Diggs, and he just drops it. Um, but Shanahan is very conscious of that. He he tends to pucker up a little bit when he sees some shakiness from his quarterback. And even last week at the end of the second quarter, it drove me nuts. They get the ball back on the 30-yard line with a minute and 15 yeah. seconds left in the game and two timeouts. Yeah. And Kyle goes run, run up the middle and doesn't call timeout until there's like 30 seconds left, which infuriates me. And then afterwards, he says, his exact quote was, we liked the score where it was, and it was six to six. His biggest concern at that point was not giving <laughs> Dallas the ball back, which is crazy to me that you would try not to score. Now, ultimately, of course, they did end up getting a field goal. They hit a big pass to Juwan Jennings. But the, the strategy I thought was flawed, especially when you look back and you see that the 49ers didn't touch the ball until this, in the second half until there was like nine and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. So for mm-hmm. Kyle to say, well, we were fine with the score. I don't get that. But he will hunker down and get very conservative if he senses that Brock is on the rocks a little bit. 
Can, can mm-hmm. I follow follow up on that? Because I thought this about shit. Like this is like sort of like an annual Shanahan conversation in the playoffs. And he's been a great coach. They're in the conference championship game for the third time in four years. He's done it without having an elite starting quarterback. Like that is the definition of doing more with less. And he's done that. There's no doubt about it. However, it's just such a uh, blemish to me on his coaching resume, the game management, the conservatism. Like when I feel like when he's scheming plays, I feel like Bill Barnwell had a great tweet about this. I can't remember the exact wording, but when he's scheming plays, when he's designing offense in his head, he's going, we're building the biggest, baddest offense the NFL has ever seen. And then on fourth and one, he makes decisions like we have the worst offense the NFL has ever seen. So this has been an ongoing thing, right? I mean, I'm sure you followed it kind of week to week. My impression is when it gets to kind of the bigger the game, it's almost the more conservative he gets. Like sometimes in the regular season, you'll be like, okay, he's making the right call. He's being aggressive. But when you get to this stage, he's more conservative. So am I right? Am I off base? And do you expect that to be maybe a factor uh, on Sunday, especially on the road with the rookie quarterback? No, you're 100% right. The Kyle Shanahan cowardice has been in effect (laughs) for six years now. Almost, Mm -hmm. I don't understand it because he always talks about, you know, we want to punt the ball and we have this great defense. And it's like, yeah, that's why you should go for it because you have the great defense. If the plan is to stop them anyway, why not give yourself a chance on third and one or fourth and one, fourth and two, those kind of things. He loves to trot Robbie Gold out there to kick the field goal. I've been saying it. Field goals are failures, except for like a few circumstances. Most of the time, field goals are failures. And what do we always say? Well, one team got touchdowns. The other team settled for field goals. So I don't get Kyle's thinking there. I would love to talk to him about that. And when I say talk to him, I really mean just yell at him for a while. (laughs) Right. How, uh, how, like I, I, if I were a Niners fan, and I were going through what I go through as an Eagles fan, which is spending the entire week figuring out ways to lose the game. <laughs> the number one thing I'd be thinking about right now is Sirianni out coaching Kyle in terms of games management. Is that like the top fear that you've got coming into this game? Yes. I, and I honestly think it could come down to that a few times. Sirianni is going to go for it on fourth down and the game is going to swing on whether or not the Niners defense can stop them. But and I ju- Eagles, and not to cut you off, Eagles, extremely good short yardage team. Niners defense, not a very good short yardage defense. They're not built for it. They're built for speed and pass rush and explosiveness. They're not built to, like, you know, hunker down in the trenches and stop a, a sneak. So it's it's a huge mismatch. And Kyle's offenses are not good in short yardage either, which, yeah. which is so weird because he's so creative and he dials up all this stuff. But more often than not, on third and one, fourth and one, just like a handoff up the middle. He loves to do that stupid handoff to juice when he's the up back that drives me nuts because it doesn't work half the time. I'm surprised that that seems to be a consistent deficiency in his game. This, uh, I don't know about you, Shield. When I hear Rob talk about Kyle on fourth downs and the play designs, it sounds to me like the old Andy Reid Eagles talking about the screens. And Andy always calls on third and six some <laughs> stupid screen that makes no sense. You know, just over time, you start to get a feel for your play callers and uh, some of their idiosyncrasies. Even in short yardage, sometimes there there would you know Andy will mm-hmm. like now when he does it with the Chiefs and it's cute and they do the twirl around and it looks beautiful. Uh, everyone right. loves it. There were there you could probably pull up a library of plays from his 14 years in Philadelphia. Where don't get me wrong, he he's awesome red zone play designer. But yes, there were those moments where everybody was going, wait, why is he overthinking this and yep. what is going on here? Shield, you look surprised when Rob said his number one concern is like Eagles 
Sirianni aggressiveness being the thing that outcoaches Kyle. So if I like, do you have a different answer to that? Where you think like, what's the number one thing when you think Eagles win? What's the big fear for the Niners? I think it's definitely on the list. I was surprised that he said number one and, you know, just like, like it's mm-hmm. that uh, concerning. Cause I, I think like, obviously game management is a big deal. And I agree. We could absolutely be talking about that in terms of like the scheming and the other aspects of coaching. You know what I mean? Like I would be surprised if the Niners got completely just like pantsed uh, on that side of it with Shanahan yeah. and, uh, and D'Amico Ryans. I mean, I, I was thinking about this. You sent the questions earlier, like what would kind of concern me if I were uh, a 49ers fan? And we talked about the bad Purdy game. I mean, there's no way to know if that's coming, but that would probably be near the top of the list there. And then the other two things I had written down, one is the Niners corners one-on one against Devonte Smith and AJ Brown. Now, listen, most weeks they've been fine, but those are two special wide receivers. If you just are going like talent based, the Eagles have the edge there. And if this is not like a game into the thirties, which I don't think anyone expects it to be, then one 40 yard pass play could make a huge difference. So that would probably concern me a little bit. And then I would be concerned about the Niners offensive line against the Eagles pass rush because I, I think Hassan Reddick versus Mike McGlinchey specifically in pass pro, I'm giving the edge to the Eagles there. And then just the interior of the Niners offensive line against guys like uh, Javon Hargrave. So Rob, are those uh, maybe not one, but in the, in the top five of, of concerns or do you not see it that way? No, you're a hundred percent right. The 49ers gave up. I think it's eight pass plays of 50 yards or more this season. That was tied for the most in the NFL. That's the part of the Eagles offense that scares me the most. It's not Jalen Hurts running. It's Jalen Hurts throwing the deep ball because, I mean, we saw it last week. Now, I think CeeDee Lamb ended up being like 49 yards. So technically it doesn't go to that, but you can attack this defense deep down the field. I was stunned that Dak didn't do it more. And I expect the Eagles to do it. And, and the Niners are going to give up some plays. So that is definitely one. And then, yeah, the pass rush for Philly. I mean, how could you not? When you have four guys with 10 sacks, it's going to be an issue. Brock was not good under pressure last week. He was under pressure on almost 50% of his dropbacks against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. He was three of 10 under pressure for just 24 yards. Huh. So he's going to have to adjust to that speed. But those are two huge factors for sure. Yeah, the uh, the recent production of wide receiver ones against the Niners, right? You had obviously Devontae Adams in the regular season, seven catches, 153 yards, two touchdowns on 10 targets. Uh, Seahawks, DK Metcalf in the playoffs, 10 catches, 136 yards, two touchdowns on 13 targets. And then CeeDee Lamb, 10 catches, 117 yards, no score uh, on 13 targets. Uh, even Washington, who kind of split it down the middle, but they had Terry McLaurin went 477 and one. Jahan, Jahan Dotson went 676 and one. Uh, it's the nature of an aggressive defense to get burned sometimes. And it's the nature of the Eagles offensive coaching staff all the way through the season, just with like inexplicable anticipation to call that one change up, to call that one, to dial up that one shot play at like just the correct moment. And, 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 and when they miss them, they tend to miss them like just by a heartbeat, right? Like the, the Jalen Hurts strip sack against the Colts where he had Quez open the Quez fumble against Washington. Like they, they are so good at getting that one play dialed up. And yeah, it's where it's where San Francisco is is weak. Now the question will be for the Niners, can you get the pass rush home? And that's where I think the Eagles, right, offensive line is, is better than the Niners offensive line. And, and assuming the health of Lane, they probably have a little bit of a better chance to keep Kurtz clean long enough to get those plays off. Uh, but yeah, the big passing play is, uh, like Shield said, 
It's, this this game's got a chance to tip on one or two plays, which you hate. But also, if you're the Eagles. You've been really good at it recently, so you kind of like it. It's one of those things. Like we spend all this time this time of year. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I feel like anytime I'm like spending the maximum amount of time analyzing a game, then the game comes and like someone muffs a punt or there's like a fumble, and it's like, all right, nothing else really mattered. Those those two things kind of swung the entire game. So maybe it it could end up being a a game like this where all of this is moot. Shell, I'm telling you, you start uh. Start betting on sports, you'll start getting even more attention on some of those muffed punts, <laughs> some of those one, one or two hey, plays that really swing. Things. I gotta put the picks out every week. Trust me, I'm I, I'm sitting yeah, there right, living. Right. Even though the money's not on the line, the 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 record against the spread uh, is on the line and dominates my entire mindset on Sundays, which is uh, mm-hmm. a very sad thing. All right, so I have I have one more question in terms of uh, like an Eagles potential advantage, which we're talking about a lot of Eagles potential advantages. But hey, we're an Eagles pod, and everybody thinks I'm a Niners fan right now, so I got to do my work to to dig myself out of that ditch. Uh, Niners against running quarterbacks been a bit of a a blank spot so far this season. Uh, they played Justin Fields in Week One which is before the Bears really became the version of the offense that they are right now. Uh, Fields went 11 for 28, and they were in the rain. It was a messy game, whatever. They missed Kyler Murray in both games they played against the Cardinals this season. Got Colt McCoy in the first one, and then David Blau in the second one for <laughs> whatever reason. Uh, this year, really the only like moderately solid rushing quarterback that they've played besides Fields is Marcus Mariota, who went 6 for 50 and a touchdown. And obviously the Falcons beat the Niners in what is a game that you didn't expect the Falcons beat the Niners. That was weird. Uh, you go back to last year. Uh, they played Fields, gave up 103 yards on 10 carries, played Hurts last year early in the season, as we, as we remember, gave up 82 yards on 10 carries. Uh, you haven't gotten to see in a lot of the D'Amico Ryans, the 2022 defense, Rob, go against rushing quarterbacks. So is it like, uh, well, we just think D'Amico's really good and we think our athletes are really good, so we think we'll be okay? Or is this like a structural thing that you're worried about just given the way that they play? Well... I don't know that any team in the league is like really good against running quarterbacks. They seem to give a lot of teams problems. Um, There were eight defensive starters that were out for that Falcons game too earlier this year. Yeah, well, that explains that a little bit. (laughs) Um, But no, it's a thing. D'Amico's can be very, very aggressive and that can open up rush lanes for quarterbacks. I don't know that the design runs are going to be too much to worry about. I'm sure Philly will gain some yardage, but where I think Hertz is really going to do his damage is just extending the plays, scrambles. He's going to have rush lanes. Bosa loves to fly and rush past the depth of the quarterback, which just leaves the field wide open for people. So that's where I'm really worried about Hertz. It's not the design stuff. It's just the scrambles, on, especially on third down. That's where it's going to be trouble. Yeah, the... Uh... The, I didn't know about the, the, the injuries to the Falcons game. The, the structure of it is a big question mark for me because the Niners just do four-man fronts the whole game. They don't change their fronts at all, right? And it's all <laughs> built for speed, right? They lost DJ Jones, and they were like, yeah, we don't care. We're fine with this. Here we go. <laughs> and it's largely been great for them, right? Like, it's been awesome. And I would say with, with great confidence, I would, I would say with my chest, like, the Eagles are going to be really good rushing against that sort of a team. But the other team that they played this year, who just like lives in four down fronts and doesn't change, is the Colts. And they had a lot of trouble against the Colts quarterback running game, right? Gus Bradley did a really good job scheming them up. Now the Colts have Grover Stewart. The Niners don't have anybody even remotely close and or near to Grover Stewart. So you wonder how much that'll be the difference. But uh, this is the sort of game where I like you you start to wonder, okay, like D'Amico has built this thing so specifically for one mold. If the Eagles could just like 
run as much zone read as they did against the Giants and like have success between the tackles, then like we're talking about all oh, explosive passes, this and the other thing. The Eagles are just going to do the whole sit on the ball thing. It's going to be a game that's done in two hours and 45 minutes and <laughs> it's going to end 21 to 14 and we're all going to, you know, sleep and nothing exciting is going to happen. But the Eagles have that potential and, and I, I worry the Niners defense is susceptible to it. Oh, no, I was just I agree with you that the Niners like Pete Carroll said it before the playoff game. They don't fool you on defense. They just mm-hmm. are good and they just beat you. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it really is strength on strength with the Eagles run game against that Niners uh, run defense. That's going to be fun to watch how uh, those two match up. I felt in the Colts game, I remember thinking like they just stuck with zone read a little like too much and the Colts were just scraping and uh, giving them issues. And so uh, since then, I feel like we've been, we've talked about those change ups and each week, each half, each possession, they can come at you with a different type of run scheme. And so I think that will uh, certainly factor in uh, to this game too, where it's you know, yep. make, make sure you're running some diverse. I do think early on Hertz will keep it on like uh, on a zone read or something just to be like, all right, you're, you know, y- you need the threat here. I think they'll run a screen uh, very early on in the game. Got to run a screen. Slow Bosa down. Like, yeah, I think on their first possession, I think th- those will be two of the factors just to slow those guys down a little bit. Yeah. I, uh, okay, let's flip this thing on its head then, because there's no way, Rob, you haven't done the opposition prep such that you think, okay, this is what the Niners can get out of the Eagles, right? Which I like, Eagles have some trench advantages that are going to be big for them. The Niners aren't used to playing with trench disadvantages. That's going to be enormous. They have the running quarterback, they have the wide receivers on the outside. But if I ask you, what are the Niners got that's going to put stress on the Eagles? I come back in the future, I tell you the Niners won this game. What is it? What 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 are you when you look at this matchup? You say that's the Eagles' weak point. And that's what the Niners are going to hit. They don't have many, but I think that Kyle is just going to try to go to work on the Eagles' linebackers. I think he lives in the middle of the field anyway, and I expect more of that this game. Whether it's Debo on some in-breaking routes, or McCaffrey leaking out of the backfield over the middle, or Kittle over the middle, like we saw last week, I think Shanahan is just going to say. I'm not going to try and beat Slay and Bradbury on the outside. That's crazy talk. I'm going to press until it hurts with these linebackers. And until they stop it, that's what I'm going to, that's where I'm living. It's going to be the old Garoppolo game plan. Every throw is going to be between, right. going to be in between the hash marks. And I think that that's honestly like that's kind of their best hope because I don't see Debo being able to separate from either one of the Eagles corners in man to man coverage. IU can do some damage, but. You can't live there, especially Brock's arm strength is not great. So I, I feel like Kyle's going to be more confident over the middle of the field. So that's so that's interesting. So with Debo, not like worried about Debo against Slay, worried about him against Bradbury. Ayuk, like maybe, but like the deep down the field is hard to access. You think in like more big Kittle game and, and, and just kind of trying to find the safety, trying to find the linebacker, like that'll be the target of choice for, for Kyle in this one? I do. I just yeah. think that he... He will target somebody specifically every game and just constantly drill down on them until they stop. He'll run the same play out of three different formations on the same drive if he has to. That's Kaiser White Uh, most likely, right, Ben? Honestly, like especially how he played down the stretch of the season. I mean, other teams were already doing that to him. That's that's the name you would have circled there if if there is a guy, right? Yeah, that's Kaiser music. The interesting (laughs) thing will be, if the Eagles find ways to get Kaiser off the field. We talked about this a little bit, I want to say like right around the Jalen Hurts injury, where they were starting to poke around, like, you know, passing down defenses where TJ Edwards was the only linebacker on the field, not Kaiser, getting Kaiser off the field. And if they're in their 5-1 front on early downs, which 
I don't think they will be in this game. So if they're in their 5-1 front, they're going to get run all over. We're going to talk about that in a sec. Uh, but if they're in 5-1 and TJ's the only linebacker on the field, I'll be curious to see who then becomes the pick-on player, right? Probably one of Mark Zepps, Reed Blankenship, Chauncey Garner-Johnson is going to have to be in that kind of linebackery role. And those guys are also pick-onable in, in, in pass coverage. So I'd imagine it'd be one of them. Um, but I definitely think, right, like this to me, like seems like the sort of game where Kyle's going to say, all right, you got nine really good defensive players. What if I ignore all of them? And he's one of the very few coaches in the league who's really capable of doing that, attacking one guy or attacking one area of the field with a bunch of different players, a bunch of different routes, running game and passing game. Like he's, he's nicely built for finding the, the one weak spot in the armor. And that's the Eagles right now are a defense that's really, really strong in a lot of spots, but they do have a couple weak spots in the armor. Yeah, if I were a, uh, if we're kind of flipping it and doing the exercise you just talked about, I remember going to the, uh, this is way back, the Eagles Bucks uh, NFC Championship game at the vet. And before the game, it's a, it's a freezing day. And, you know, it's the, the Bucks come out onto the field and, you know, Eagles fans are all standing up and Warren Sapp, we're, we're in like the corner of the end zone and they come down to that area and Warren Sapp just kind of takes his helmet off and with those big eyes is just staring at the crowd as every, you know, he's getting the double bird from everybody, but he was just like, I'm not scared. I, I'm ready. And like the, I was trying to think like, who is the player? If this goes South for the Eagles, that would be. And to me, it still is Debo Samuel. I mean, last year, it was more last year than this year. I just remember watching those Niners games where he's just like the get out of jail free card. I mean, they could be just struggling, struggling, struggling. Oh, screen to Debo. Oh, slant to Debo 65 yards later to three defenders are on the ground and yeah. he's in the end zone. And so if there's like a, you know, as we said, if this is a relatively low scoring game and there's a guy who kind of flips it in the Niners favor, like if I'm Shanahan, I'm, I'm getting the ball in his hands early. Let the, let the Eagles defenders feel him a little bit, feel what it, it's like to kind of have to bring him down when he's got some space there and they execute those so well, though, those perimeter screens uh, where, where they get the blocking out in front of him. So that would certainly be uh, one thing I would have my eye on if I'm an Eagles fan. And then the other thing is this could be the kind of game where like we talked about the randomness that is impossible to analyze a muffed punt, a turnover or whatever. This could be a game where the number of possessions is really low for both teams. Like I think a lot of times, you know, like broadcasters get it wrong when they're talking time of possession to shorten the game. It's really to me, number of possessions. And if the 49ers are methodically moving the ball down the field, nine play drive, and then the Eagles get the ball and they're methodically moving the ball down the field, nine play drive. And you look up at halftime and like each team's only had the ball four times. And it's going to be, Hey, each team only is only going to get the ball eight possessions instead of a typical 11 possessions. Well, now if you get whoever has that bad false start, whoever has that turnover, that negative play, like that is just the entire game. I mean, we've, we like when the Ravens played the Bengals in the first round of the playoffs, that was their strategy. They're just like, like the Bengals, I think had the ball three times in the first half. And you look up and you say, oh, Bengals numbers don't look that good yet. Cause they haven't had the ball at all. So I think that type of game right. probably falls a little, it's not like the Eagles are heavy favorites, but that type of game generally uh, leans towards the underdog. Cause the randomness matters even more because you have a smaller sample. Yeah, it's worth remembering. You remember in the first half of the season where like the Eagles had a turnover differential like 16 and then the next closest team was at like four. And we were like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. We're going to do this forever. 
The Eagles no longer <laughs> have the greatest turnover differential in the league, right? So far in 2022, now they're at plus eight. They're third. Guess who's first? The 49ers. If you just look at straight uh, takeaways, the Cowboys are first with 33, and then the Niners are tied for second. Them and the Patriots with 30. Eagles come in, I think, at fifth with 27. So, you know, Eagles have largely benefited from being the team with the advantages in the turnover margin when they've lost this year. Think about the, the Hurts game against Washington and then the Minshew game against the Cowboys. Turnovers have been a huge part of it. Well, I said, like, the Niners aren't used to playing with a trench disadvantage. Eagles aren't used to playing with a turnover disadvantage and very well could end up in that spot in this game. Niners are extremely good at taking the ball away. Uh, other thing is, whenever you talk about these Niners skill position players and, you know, the 165-yard play, I, I get flashbacks to the 2020 game, Brandon Ayuk screen, third and seven, breaks a tackle from a defensive tackle, gets downfield, him versus Marcus Epps in space, and Epps has gotten a lot better as a player. This is back when Epps was was really t- tough to get on the field sometimes, and Ayuk just hurdles him right at the pylon, and it's like, yeah, these guys will style on you a little bit. These the, these ball carriers for the Niners, are, are they're a walking big play, right? The Eagles, it's about throwing the ball down the field. The Niners are about just getting the ball to the guys and then letting them do the rest of the work. Ayuk is sneaky good after the catch, too. He's he doesn't so do it the same way Debo. Debo, just you just cannot tackle him, but mm-hmm. Ayuk just... He he just creates space. His first movement after catching the ball, I feel like, is so fast. And he just runs away from people. He separates very easily. Uh, but you're right about Debo. Because the one thing I like about Debo is he just can succeed outside of the structure of the play. Even if Kyle doesn't call the right play, or I hate to go back to bad memories, but against the Seahawks, basically like two plays before Trey Lance gets hurt. He has an option play and he gives the ball to Debo and it's absolutely the wrong read. There's like three guys there immediately. And Debo breaks all three tackles and runs like 51 yards down the field. They're going to need a couple of those plays, I feel like, this week if they're going to succeed against this defense because it's it's just too good. You're just going to need a guy to go beast mode and, you know, get those explosives and shift the entire field position. Yeah, well, if if I were building an offense predicated in the idea of eventually I'm just going to need a few dudes to go beast mode, I think I would take every single one of the skill position players the 49ers <laughs> have and change nothing. Uh, I do want to talk about a, a, a game-breaking player that we haven't yet mentioned for the Niners, which is Christian McCaffrey, right? Uh, since week seven this year, they acquired McCaffrey their second in the league in e-paper play overall. One of the things that I think is, is also really important is their overall season rush numbers don't look great. But again, since the McCaffrey acquisition, third in in rush EPA so far this season. Uh, we'll like like you know we talked about linebacker matchups. We'll take we'll take the McCaffrey receiving aspect of it. Maybe talk about it in a second. In terms of the pure running game, everybody knows the Eagles splits They're the first defense in the league by pass DVOA. They ain't the first by rush DVOA. They ain't top 10 by <laughs> rush DVOA, right? Everyone's going to know what the business is. Now, they had that time where they had no Jordan Davis, and they were integrating Limbaugh Joseph, and early in the season, they were kind of figuring out what fronts they wanted to be, and they're better run defense now than they were. There's no two ways about that. Um, but when I think Kyle Shanahan, I think running game. When I think Christian McCaffrey, I think running back, running game. Niners' running game is improved. Eagles' run defense is improved. Where do you see this hashing out? Is this the sort of game where I'm thinking of that 2019 NFC Championship game where Jimmy Garoppolo attempted a whole eight passes and Raheem Mostert ran for a few football fields worth of yardage. Uh, uh, Is that running game present in this game against the Eagles? Do they have a chance to dominate in the run or not so much? The Niners' run game is not as good as it looks on paper. If you go back and look at a lot of the McCaffrey games, he'll have a 40, a 50-yard run or maybe a couple 25-yard runs that really 
boost his yards per carry. See, when you look at it at the end of the day, you're like, wow, he ran for five and a half yards per carry. But if you take those big plays away, a lot of it is four yards a carry, three and a half yards a carry. Now, granted, the big plays still count, of course, but he didn't get any of those against Dallas. He's banged up, and I think he's more banged up than they're saying. They're calling it a calf contusion. He's day-to-day, which, of course, aren't we all? Um, But I'm a little worried about McCaffrey. I don't think he's quite in as good of physical condition as he was earlier in the year, they've been giving him a ton of run down the stretch. So it'll be interesting to see if he still has that explosion. And even his backup, Elijah Mitchell also banged up with a groin injury. So the Niners run game may be slowed a little bit in this one. Sheila, I'm thinking about all those plays where uh, a team walks out, you know, few receivers to one side, just a tight end to the other side. And James Bradbury comes walking into the box as a linebacker. And at this point, Eagles fans can just point at that and be like, nope, this is not good. We know what happens on this one. This is bad. And then, you know, the Lions were able to do it with a lot of success. The Colts did it with a lot of success. The Giants have done it. They get their big back in the gap against the corner. And I'm thinking about how easy that's been for other coaches. And now I'm looking at Kyle Shanahan with Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. Even if they're at like 80, 85%, uh, there's no more appropriate place to end the conversation than on a little bit of John Gannon fear. How worried are you about Kyle's ability to out-scheme Gannon? How worried are you about Kyle's ability to say, this is a pretty static defensive coordinator. It kind of lines up and does the same stuff. I know how to take advantage of this, and I'm going to be able to do it for all four quarters. Because the Niners' running game might not be as good as it looks on paper, but the Niners, Kyle Shanahan knows how to make a running game work. And again, when teams have beaten the Eagles, they found a lot of success on the ground. Where are you on that? Yeah, it's kind of a interesting dynamic because everything with Gannon's philosophy is like, you know, if they're going to run the ball a little bit, who cares? It's all good. We won't give up explosive plays. But if ever there's a game where it's like, well, don't you want to kind of put some pressure on say, like, let's see if the rookie quarterback on the road in the NFC championship game can make some plays and commit some resources to the run game. You would think this would be uh, the week to do that. So uh, I think, you know, the Eagles defense played really well. Last week, I thought Gannon, you know, schematically had one of his best games uh, last week. They were doing different things. He coached to the game. They were playing uh, some more man coverage. They were disguising more. Everybody was on the same page. They were all over the Giants route concepts. The Niners are not the Giants. Uh, I understand that. But still, I, I think it's important to note that they're coming off of that game. So. I would give Shanahan, I'm going to give Shanahan the edge in scheming and game planning over Gannon. There's no doubt about it. I I do think, you know, some of the matchups, you know, can be in the Eagles' favor, specifically the matchups up front and with how well their corners are playing. And even like, you know, uh, so like you called it, the the death lineup too uh, yesterday, the uh, Juszczyk, Mm McCaffrey, Samuel, Ayuk, who am I missing? Kittle. Kittle. I was looking nice. it up. I, I think the thought of the death lineup <laughs> might be better than the actual uh, statistics or, or the performance of the death lineup. I mean, I was looking up. There have been 92 lineups that have had at least 50 snaps this season, and that one ranks 42nd in EPA per play league-wide. So I think, listen, this is just my me zagging, and this could be completely wrong. I think sometimes we get excited about positionless football, and they can line this guy up anywhere and this guy up anywhere. I mean, if the Eagles are playing uh, a lot of zone coverage 
which they do anyway. I don't know that that's going to be kind of the the fear that maybe some think it is going. And I, listen, I could be uh, completely wrong. Maybe they'll go off and you guys will be making fun of me uh, on Sunday night. But uh, I think the, the, the matchup for the Eagles up front is going to work in their favor. And I think what we talked about earlier with Shanahan being a little conservative is going to work in the Eagles' favor. So uh, I would be surprised. And I, I haven't, everyone knows, I haven't been the biggest uh, Gannon guy earlier in the season, but their defense has shown up week after week after week, except for, you know, a couple games this season. And I would be surprised if on Sunday night we're saying, like, man, the Niners put up 450 yards and they just pantsed him and the Eagles had no answers. And that's why the Eagles aren't in the Super Bowl. But I could be wrong about that. I will. Maybe I that's will exactly what we'll be talking yeah. about. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, do you, that death line of thing is interesting. Do you have run pass splits in front of you right now or no? Uh, run pass. I have, let's see, passing. Which one are you more interested in? I would imagine they're pretty run heavy out of that look. And I would imagine okay. that their pass EPA is really good out of that look as opposed to just like overall performance. Okay. You guys can keep that, talking and my, I'll look it up. That's my guess. <laughs> <laughs> so right. against wrong. the Seahawks in the wild card round, the 49ers had the death line up on the field for 17 plays, and they averaged more than 15 yards per play. Now, they didn't have that same success against the Cowboys, um, so I don't know you know, how that averages out in the long haul, but the, at times, it has been absolutely lethal. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to see. I, I, Rob, I want to ask you a legacy question here and kind of your predictions for this game, at least as you see it on Wednesday. And if Shields does it quickly enough Googling, then maybe we can come back to it at the end. Wait, can I ask uh, him one question before you get his prediction? Oh, sorry, yeah. you were, were you asking another question? Then go ahead. No, no, no. I was doing prediction. Hit him, hit him up. What's up? I just want to know, like, like we, you started the show with it, but I don't think we asked you directly. Uh, week one of the 2023 season... Who is playing quarterback for the San Francisco? I was, was going to oh, be part that's of the question. prediction question. Okay. That's oh, a sorry. prediction. Sorry, sorry. I thought you meant score prediction. Sorry. Go ahead. Ben, take yeah, over. I, I was, I'll go I, back I, to my spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of here. This is my show now. Hostile takeover. <laughs> I, yeah, I want predictions. Here's the predictions that I want. I want a prediction of who wins the game and kind of how the game goes. I want predictions for uh, Kyle Shanahan's mental state over the course of this <laughs> offseason in the event that he once again does not win a Super Bowl despite getting very close with questionable quarterback play. And I would like a prediction for the Niners quarterback situation over the course of the offseason. Jimmy, Trey, and Brock Purdy. And yes, Sheil, I would like for that to land on who's starting quarterback week one, 2023 for the 49ers. Rob Guerrero, take it away. Wow. Okay. So first of all, the Eagles were my pick to make the Super Bowl out of the NFC at the beginning of the year. I wow. They have done nothing to dissuade me from that. So I have to go Eagles in this game. I think it's going to be just the combination of the deep passing with Philly and, and the running game, I just think is going to be too much for the 49ers. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think that the 49ers offense we saw a little bit against Dallas. They haven't faced a defense. This is a next-level defense. They got slowed against the Cowboys. I think they're going to struggle to score a ton of points against the Eagles. So I'm going to take the Eagles 28-21 around there. Um, now, as to the quarterback situation, I think it's already over. I think it's Brock's job. Uh, they might give Trey Lance a shot if he takes, you know, a, a massive leap forward. But he's coming off two surgeries on that ankle. I know... Niner fans like to stick their head in the sand and say that the second surgery is not a big deal, but it was unplanned. To me, that's a big deal. And the the more important aspect is that Brock sees the game the way Kyle wants him to see the game. And you talked about it 
he wants that controller, right? He wants to be able to know what the quarterback's going to do. That's Brock Purdy. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't factor into the equation at all. He might have if he had stayed healthy, but he's not going to now because he's going to be too expensive. The Niners are going to go into the 2023 with a quarterback room that costs them about $10 million for two guys. That's a massive advantage over the rest of the league, especially when you got to give out contracts to Nick Bosa and Brandon Ayuk. I think they have something like 35 or 40 unrestricted free agents after the season. So there's no room for Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think it's going to be Brock. And uh, Trey Lance is, sorry, man, we hardly knew ye. Devastating news for 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 the trade community, which is a party of one right now. Or no, party I'm of two. Rob's pointing to himself. All right. It's a party of two in Michigan and California. I can't remember where Rob is. I'm in Connecticut. Connecticut. It's basically in California. It's just the opposite. <laughs> Same thing. Right. Uh, yeah. Man, I so very desperately want Brock Purdy to win the Super Bowl and then for there to be a quarterback competition in the ensuing camp. To me, that's unbelievable content. That's just prime Kyle Shanahan shenanigans. Uh, Shield, do we have a, a, an answer on our outstanding question or should we come back to this one on, on tomorrow's pod? Yeah, no, we do. They are It's 38th in EPA per play passing and 56th uh, in rushing. Now, rushing EPA per play, I don't like that stat because one fumble like in the red zone skews everything. So I like to look at success rate there. So I haven't brought that up yet. So yeah, let's circle back to that uh, on our yeah. Thursday 10 tomorrow. All right. Well, then all we have left to do is uh, sign it off with a big thank you to Rob Guerrero. You can follow Rob uh, pretty much everywhere. Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, Facebook. I don't know. At Stats on Fire. Again, uh, the Gold Standard Podcast Network, which is Rob's uh, 49ers network. A strong and high recommend from Ben Solak, who will appear at some point on it. I promise I'm not avoiding you. Uh, This has been... The Ringers Philly special. Thank you to Cliff, Augustine, Connor Nevitz, and Arjuna Ramgopol for their production and production supervision. Sheila and I are back for the uh, typical Thursday 10 on Thursday when we answer those questions. So, Sheila, have you sent the tweet out yet or no? I have not. No, you hashtag it, uh, Ringer Philly, and I will go through Mm -hmm. those uh, probably at the last second right before we go on the air tomorrow. Absolutely. The best way to do it. (laughs) And, yeah, we will uh, give our official game predictions then. We'll have as updated of injury news as we can get, and we will see you all into Conference Championship Weekend.